Heat Nation. Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our favorite NBA team, the Miami Heat. Still atop the East, that's, that's per usual. But um, in addition, we got some good news this week, actually, with the return of Markeith Morris. That's probably the highlight for this right now, because... Technically, we are not fully healthy because Caleb Martin um, sprained his knee and there's some stuff with Jimmy Butler, but those are like short-term-ish type injuries that should be handled. They might even be back by the next game, but Morris was the big layaway in terms of like what player we didn't we were missing for a significant period of time and not sure when we get back. So with that, yeah, the Heat are right on the borderline of finally being healthy. Uh, but first, we had to go through last week's uh, schedule of games. This was a week Miami went 2-2 in, so 50%, not quite the best, but not the worst. It's still, again, good enough for them to keep their first seed with a little bit of separation, as we'll get to later on. But to go back, unfortunately, to last Wednesday, I I had blotted this out of my memory up until I had to do this recap. Uh, The Miami Heat hosted these... Phoenix Suns last Wednesday in a game that they lost 90-111. to And yeah, 21 points might actually... That actually might be an accurate description of how much of a beatdown this ended up being. So it does put Miami and Phoenix, for whatever it means, at a one-of-one best-two series. The interesting thing with this series being that they stomped the living mess out of the other team on their home courts, like we did it to Phoenix back in January, which I actually looked back... That was the only game Phoenix lost in January, was the beatdown that we gave them. So on the one hand, goes to show how good this team is. On the other hand, like that was kind of cool that we went and got to stomp them on their court, and they just returned the favor to us this time around, unfortunately. Um, this is also a game that the Miami Heat would be without Jimmy Butler. However, the Phoenix Suns are without Chris Paul, so maybe you could, you could chalk that up to being roughly even. Uh, and also in this game itself is when Caleb Martin got the injury that I mentioned a little bit earlier. He just kind of landed on his left knee, and he, you can, it was an awkward landing, and you can see the knee buckle a little bit. So Martin would sit out the rest of the game. Well, for the Suns here, though, the big thing for them was this was the return of Devin Booker, who had been listed out for uh, COVID health and safety protocols. So, yeah, a bit of, bit of bad luck for Miami that we also got the return of Devin Booker, which definitely brought a lot of energy to the Suns already. But through the recap real quick, Miami did get out to an early 11-point lead in the first quarter. However, the Suns were able to rally back uh, and take the lead from Miami. Heat were down 27-29 going into the second. Uh, again, the Miami Heat, like, they took the lead back over. They built a lead. And then the Suns rallied again um, in similar situation, heat down 55-57 at halftime. And, yeah, at, at least the first half was competitive. The second half, not so much at all. The Heat went uh, 7 of 24 in the third. Their offense just completely collapsed. And meanwhile, the Suns had no problems at all. They just kept scoring. So the Suns were up 91-74 to going into the fourth. And then, yeah, the Suns pushed the lead up to 20 early in the fourth. And then it was just a coast to a blowout win. Like, everything in the second half is was just an obliteration. So there's really not much to say beyond that. Uh, so try to take some positives away from this, I guess. Duncan Robinson, 22 points on 7 of 15 from the field. 6 of 11 from 3. Uh, 2 of 3 from the free throw line. But the 6 of 11 from 3, Duncan Robinson was giving them some offense, especially in the first half, to try to keep them in that game or build the leads. And Bam Adebayo still had a pretty solid game. 17 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, on 7 of 11 from the field, 3 of 3 from the free throw line. So not 
his most aggressive in terms of like field goal attempts, but he's going up against DeAndre Ayton and JaVale McGee, who are pretty good defensive centers. So understandable that he might not have been looking to try to get a shot too much because those are hard players to go against. Speaking of those two, though, the big bad for Miami in this one was how they got absolutely obliterated on the boards by those two centers. Uh, DeAndre Ayton had 10 rebounds. Uh, JaVale McGee had 15 of which seven were on the offensive end to help give the Suns just extra opportunities. Overall, the Heat got out-rebounded 55-38. to 38. So, yeah, think about that. 55 rebounds, of which 25 came from just those two centers by themselves. One of the problems Miami has, as been noted before, has been problems with size, which can, one way you can see the impact of that is like games like this where you have players get huge rebounding numbers because they're just bigger than what Miami puts out there. Like We've had ways to get around that, but this was just a game where it came back to bite us. Though overall, like look at this. This is a Phoenix Suns team that when they beat us, that was enough for them to clinch a playoff spot, which that means more than what it means in previous years. Because previous years to clinch a playoff spot meant that you were guaranteed top eight. Now, to clinch a playoff spot means you're guaranteed top six because of the play-in tournament. So for them to have clinched it, just to be the first one, and no one is even close, like, they're in mid-50s right now, and no other team has even gotten to 50 wins. This is a far and away the best re- best team in the regular season. So you lose to them, can't be too shocked. I mean, the blowout part does suck. So that that's the part, like, you really take away and you're like, Damn, could we at least have lost by, like, single digits or something? Especially after that first half was actually pretty competitive. But it ended up just not beating Miami's night. You take it, and you move on to the next. Miami would then host the Cleveland Cavaliers last Friday in a game that they bounced back and won 117-105. to Which, uh, for the season series, it concludes our season series with the Cavs. We were down 1-2. We already knew this going into this game. They had already won 2 out of 3, so we weren't going to ever win the season series. But, good to say we didn't get swept. And then, obviously, it helps push the Cavs down and keep the heat up uh, in the East standings. So, this is a game that also Jimmy Butler was back from his illness. However, Caleb Martin was still out um, at this point with like the what they listed as a left knee sprain. As for the recap itself, uh, he got out to an early 12-1 lead and then pretty much rode that lead trading buckets for the rest of the quarter until they had a 28-18 first quarter lead, which always good to hold an opposing team below 20 points in the quarter. So in the second, though, the Cavs started to chip away behind Darius Garland's 12 points. He got a lot of that at the line. However, Tyler Hero matched him point for point, 12 of his own, to keep the heat up 58-57 at halftime. So small little one-point lead. But into the third quarter, Miami just absolutely had a suffocating defense. They held the Cavs to 25% shooting from the field, and Miami built a big lead over the course of the quarter. No, like, real major runs, just steadily progressing as the quarter went along until they eventually had a double-digit lead up 85-72 going into the fourth. So in the fourth itself, it seemed like it was smooth sailing for a little while. They kept that, like, mid-teen double-digit lead, and then the Cavs started to chip away again. They had it down to eight, so single digits, and with momentum, with four minutes left, then Jimmy Butler, coming back, took over, scored six straight points. That pretty much put the game away, because at that point we were we were up uh, 14 points. So yeah, after that 6-1, which is free throw, the Cavs emptied their bench with, with, with about two and a half minutes left, and then yeah, the game's over when you empty your bench like that. So, great win, great bounce-back win, and then obviously good that you beat 
uh, fellow Eastern contender. As for takeaways for the game, Bam Adebayo absolutely stood out. 30 points, 17 rebounds, one assist because he wasn't looking to play make. Dude was looking to score. Three steals, one block on 11 of 16 from the field and 8 of 8 from the free throw line. So getting to the line, knocking down the shot, just absolutely aggressive. Like It was a pretty good match actually watching between him and Evan Mobley because I, I feel like they're similar type players just in the skill set that they bring. Although Bam Adebayo is more experienced and at least currently better. I'm not going to discount the potential that Mobley has, but uh, just to say like Bam won that match. And the, the highlight, 10 points in the fourth quarter just early, in the early part just to help keep Miami really far ahead, though Jimmy Butler did, uh, as I mentioned, took over. Speaking of Jimmy Butler, 24 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, 1 block, so both Bam and Butler getting in the passing lanes, but Butler did his damage on 7 of 14 from the field, 0 of 1 from 3, but 10 of 12 from the line. And then, like I mentioned, the 6 points, the, in the fourth quarter, that was the only points he had in the fourth quarter, but it came at the best time to help secure that win. And then the only other thing that was uh, I thought was kind of interesting here uh, was Miami crushing the turnover battle, only committing nine turnovers to the Cavs' 17. But I mainly bring that up more so to highlight the the Heat doing a good job with limiting turnovers because usually they're in like mid-teens, like 15, 16, but. Uh, under 10, fantastic job by them and a good bounce back. So following the Cavs game last Friday, Miami would have a back-to-back. At least, it was home at least, but still a back-to-back. They would ho- they hosted the Timberwolves last Saturday. Minnesota Timberwolves that they lost a game, unfortunately, to 104-113, to which means that they got swept by the Wolves this year. 0 of 2 in the season series for whatever that for whatever it means for Western team. Uh, actually, I'll tell you what it means. I think it means that the... That Cat and the Timberwolves still hold a little grudge against Jimmy Butler and want to pay him back hard because I don't think, I think we may have one, maybe two wins against the Wolves out of six um, for the last three seasons since Jimmy's been here. So whether it's they figured out something and they got our number or if they play with a little bit of an edge because it's Jimmy Butler and he forced his way out, I don't know, but it whatever it is, it's working. I say all that, though, and maybe it's not necessarily the Jimmy Butler thing because Jimmy Butler was not playing in this game. Uh, he was listed out due to uh, toe. He, part I, I think it's more so just scheduled rest because he still had the illness earlier in the week, and it's the second out of a back-to-back. So, yeah, we would also be without Caleb Martin again for the left knee and Victor Oladipo also because it's second out of a back-to-back and he's kind of rehabbing. But this was the game. We finally got Markeith Morris back. His first game that he has played since the November 8th incident uh, with Jokic, which, again, just to to say it one more time, um, what Morris did was bad. It was a flagrant foul, but it didn't justify an elbow to the spine and missing four months of play for it. And that's what I'm going to say there. So, anyway, recap. Uh, This is a game the Timberwolves got out to an early lead behind Carl Anthony Towns, 11 points, like they were in a double-digit lead. However, the Heat were able to get Towns into significant foul trouble, three fouls in the first six minutes, and then once Towns out, the Heat were able to push back and at least like chip away at that lead, down 25-30 to at the end of the first quarter. 
as we got into the second, though, the Heat offense just caught fire. 42 points in the second quarter, 18 of which came from Tyler Hero, 12 of which came from Max Drews. So that's 30 out of your 42 points right now, right there. And then, yeah, just the Minnesota Timberwolves could not keep pace with that. Heat were up 67 to 55 at halftime. And then they, the Wolves turned the tables on the Heat in the third quarter, taking an 11-2 run right, right out the gate, which obviously brought them a lot closer, and then they were able to chip away the last few points until they took a lead with a buzzer-beater three. With, oh, yeah, sorry. They tied the game first, and then Miami just completely lackadaisical, not even paying attention at all. The Oh, this guy got the inbound pass. Eh, we'll give him a wide-open shot from three. What's he going to do, knock down a buzzer-beater? Oh, he did. Heat down 86-89. And just like, I can just imagine Spo about had a vein burst in the side of his head from, from that uh, end of quarter play. But into the fourth, didn't get any better. The Heat just had, well, actually both teams had terrible offense in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think it was like under 30% shooting for both teams, something like that. And yet, game was tied at 100 with five minutes left. The Heat were only down two, 104 to 106, with one minute left. So it's still there, still possible. And then the Wolves scored the last seven to close this game out for the Heat. And, um, yeah, as for why, I I feel like some of this needs to go on to Bam Adebayo. So positive takeaways from the game. Uh, Bam Adebayo overall still had a great game. 19 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists with 3 steals. Did that on 7-12 from the field, 5-9 of nine from the free throw line, so not quite efficient there. But the reason why I say I put some of this on Bam, Bam had zero field goal attempts in the fourth quarter. This is a game that is without Jimmy Butler. So if Jimmy Butler's not there, like, Bam, you have to be the one that steps up. At, at least try to be the closer. Like, take some attempts, something. Go at Carl Anthony Towns. One of the advantages that the Heat had in this game, they got Carl Anthony Towns in foul trouble Early in the first, they had to be taken out. When he came back in the second, he got fouled pretty quickly. So he was at four fouls at halftime. Did not get any more fouls for the rest of the game. So for me, that that signals, okay, Bam must not have been aggressive enough going at him because he should have gotten Carl Anthony Towns fouled out of that game. And that would have swung it right, just, just that alone. And yeah, if he has zero, uh, like even attempts in the fourth quarter, that means he's not even, by definition, he's not even attempting it. But other positive, definitely Tyler Hero, 30 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals on 8-19 from the field, 6-10 of 10 from 3, and 8-8 eight eight from the free throw line. And just, yeah, it had another huge second quarter, 18 points like we mentioned already. It wasn't quite as there for him in the third and the fourth, but overall, great game. But really the big biggest positive takeaway from this was the return for Markeith Morris. And kind of like what we saw with Oladipo, like the, the team was genuinely trying to get him involved and trying to get him to like get his first few buckets and get his legs back under him. It, there was a little bit of rust that you could see there, but overall I was actually impressed with the way he played. Uh, six points, four rebounds, one assist on 3-7 from the field, 0-2 from three. So those parts weren't quite there. Uh, and then he also did have four turnovers as well. So that that's obviously a big bad, but overall, like the defense was solid. He was able, he looked good moving around, and it seemed to give Miami like a, a slightly different look because Morris has a a decent mid range game that he likes to work around in. So overall, just to say, impressed. 
so the last game that we have in the recap, though, Miami still on their homestand, hosting the Detroit Pistons uh, Tuesday in a game that they were able to fortunately win 105-98, to which finishes off the season series with the Pistons. Heat won that one 3-1 in a best of four with against the Pistons team that's like 14th in the East. But that one, that one that we lost in December, that's like the one that got away. Uh, as for the back to the game, though, Caleb Martin still out with the left knee injury. Um, Jimmy Butler did play, however, he tweaked his ankle in the second quarter and did not play in the second half at all. He's currently listed uh, day-to-day, so it did not seem to be anything. Like, it was bad enough that they took him out of the game, but it, that was more so just precautionary because, again, it, they're just listed day-to-day. Uh, but for the recap itself, overall, like, a, a pretty good, just in general, good first quarter. Nothing, like, really stood out just outside of just the final score. Um, heat up 29-22 after the first quarter. Like I said, good on both ends. Great. And to the second, though, the Heat, kind of like what we saw a little bit with like that Timberwolves at the end of the third quarter, the Heat just started getting lazy again uh, in the second, and it let the Pistons back in. And the Pistons were actually got a lead and were up 49-44 before the Heat fortunately closed out on a 13-2 run to take a 57-51 lead at halftime. But coming into the second half, it's like, okay, this Pistons team has punched you in the face. They're they're very clearly not just going to roll over and take it tonight. And you're going to be without Jimmy Butler. So please try to come out with some urgency. And they did. The Heat pushed their lead up to 68-54, and they looked like pretty much like they were set to coast. And then the offense died. Not stalled. Not like shot poorly. Died. As in, the Pistons went on a 19-0 run for the rest of the third quarter. The Heat were down 73-68. to And yeah, it was about as fun to watch as you can imagine. Um, fortunately, fourth quarter comes around, and Max Drews solo 13-2 run to get Miami back into the lead. Like, he scored 13 straight points for Miami of which it made a run and the, the Pistons only scored two. Like, that is just that was just incredible to me overall. Uh, and then it ended up kind of being a bit of a back-and-forth affair afterwards until the score was tied at 89 with four minutes left. And fortunately, Tyler Hero stepped up and hit some big buckets, and it was enough to give the Heat some separation that some free throws finished it off. And thank fuck, because losing to the Pistons like that would have been demoralizing. Uh, especially because I would have been like two consecutive losses. Uh, and then you add on the Butler thing and just, nah, it would have been, like Heat Twitter would have melted down for, for like a day or two uh, until hopefully the Thunder game. But positive takeaways from the game, like again, as again, they still won and we're going to have some positive takeaways. Uh, Tyler Hero, again, phenomenal scoring lately. 29 points, five rebounds, four assists on eight of 15 from the field. 4 of 8 from 3, 9 of 11 from the free throw line. He had another huge second quarter, 17 points, and then had the two big buckets in the fourth quarter. One was a a two-pointer, and then the other was, yeah, it was like a pull-up three with like a dude in his face, and it gave Miami the separation. He was the closer when Jimmy Butler's not there. But outside of Hero, Bam Adebayo, another great game, 16 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 of 8 from the field, 8 of 10 from the line. The The big problem with Bam was that he started getting, he got into early foul trouble. Like, part of the reason why the Pistons went on that huge run in the third quarter was Bam had picked up his fourth foul early in the third and was already out there. So, 
So, yeah, that part sucked. However, he was a team high plus 25 to just illustrate that when he was out there, he they were obliterating the Pistons. And lastly, the free throws. Miami was able to prop up what ended up being like a really lazy lack of energy offense that night uh, with their free throw shooting. So Miami went 35 of 39, good for 90% from the free throw line, which just 39 attempts by itself is a lot. I don't see that quite often. Uh, yeah, and like I said, it propped up what was a really stagnant offense. The Heat shot 40% from the field, went going 29 of 72. But again, think about that though. Like 72 field goal attempts is not like that is reduced. Usually, you want to like the Heat are around mid to high 80s or so. So the the only way they were keeping their offense going was by getting to the line. And fortunately, it worked. They got a win. It helped keep this week at least 500 going two of two. So, with the recaps out of the way, let's talk about some of the stories that I feel of interest right now. Obviously, the biggest one has to be the return of Markeith Morris, and kind of like what we went over last week where we talked about the return of Victor Oladipo. Let's kind of a little bit the same talk about the return of Markeith Morris and kind of what it means for the Heat's rotation and play style. So, currently, um, the what keeps us from having full total health is Caleb Martin's left knee, which is listed as left knee sprain. So I want to say Dwayne Dedman had a similar injury near the end of December that kept him out for like a week or two. So I wouldn't imagine Martin, especially considering he's a little bit younger, I don't think he's going to be out that long. Not that the Heat are really pressed for it, but just to say like that's the biggest long-term injury we have right now. Jimmy Butler's ankle is listed day-to-day, so like. Maybe they rest him Friday's game against the Thunder because that's a pretty meaningless game compared to what's coming up next Monday, which would give Jimmy like a full week of rest. However, I wouldn't also be surprised to see him play that Thunder game maybe to like try to warm up or or whatever is needed for him. But that's the injury part. Uh, Let's go back to Morris rotation play style stuff. All right. So um, like we mentioned before, we already know our five starters, right? We got P.J. Tucker, Bam Adebayo, uh, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry. Like, those five are the starters. On another time, I'll talk about maybe if there's going to be changes to the starting lineup come playoff rotation because I have some thoughts on that. But for now, at least for the regular season, those are our five starters. And then coming off the bench, Tyler Hero and Dwayne Dedman are definitely locks. Uh, Dwayne Dedman has been struggling a little bit recently, but still, he's a lock. He's the backup center for Bam. That's been established all year long. And then the other parts of the rotation right now, uh, obviously Caleb Martin, when he's back, he's been there all year long at this point. Uh, Victor Oladipo has just gotten back. And so then it's kind of the question of, like, all right, so if you want, like, once fully healthy, the Heat will essentially be able to go too deep at every position because their their backup five, if you will, would be something like Dwayne Dedman, Markeith Morris, Caleb Martin, Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo. Like, that's their backup five. But it's really hard to go 10 deep in the regular season, doubly so once you get to the playoffs. So really, I think I think it is more um, along the lines of like just tools in the toolbox that Spo can use for different situations. So what Morris is bringing back is definitely th- more so like size to the front court. So for, for example, uh, usually our backup four has essentially been some combination of Max Struess or Caleb Martin. And you can kind of get away with it with Struess because in certain situations, his three-point shooting is is good enough that the offense outweighs the problems on the defensive end. With Caleb Martin, 
He does not have the biggest size, but he's extremely athletic and so can use that athletic advantage to kind of play up a little bit on size. But against legit power uh, fours and fives that you think like you're like your Giannis's, Anthony Davis's, well, if Anthony Davis's are healthy, but that type of player, um, you need some size to help back up PJ there. Because like if PJ gets in the foul trouble or if he's having a bad game or if he's out because something happened, you're not gonna you're not gonna get away with like uh, Caleb Martin. So that like for example, let's go back to um, like Kevin Durant a few weeks ago. Caleb Martin ended up being the primary defender on Kevin Durant, and Caleb Martin did a good job. But I feel like Morris would have done a better job just because he is just literally taller. It's the unfortunate reality of the NBA that height matters. And like I like PJ Tucker a lot, but PJ Tucker is only six five, so there's only so much he can do. Versus Morris is six nine. And they both weigh the same amount, so that that's of interest just to kind of show that, like, PJ, even though he's a little bit shorter, like, he's just really fucking hard to move. Um, but with Morris, there's at least that height which makes him able to contest stuff that PJ can't. Still means that I still don't think, like, he takes PJ's start in the starting rotation at all. Not that at all. But just to finally have a backup option for him is fantastic because PJ Tucker needs some rest. Like, he was leading the league in three-point percentage for quite a while. It's starting to dip off now, and just visually watching it, you can just kind of see he's more tired. I mean, he's been playing a lot. He he was still there uh, during, like, December, January, when we were just having those, those really rough months trying, trying to stay afloat with all the injuries and COVID protocols. And, yeah, I think he's due for some rest. So having Marquise Morris back can open the door for that. So, like... Maybe you can have a game you literally just rest P.J. Tucker and Morris can start in his place or, or something along those lines. But in terms of play style, um, where I think that it's interesting to have Morris is more so the way... like Defensively, I think he fits in very well. I haven't noticed any major lapses with him. Um, and he's definitely got that Miami edge. Maybe he goes a little bit too far. That's how we got the situation with Jokic. But... Uh, I like the mentality that he brings to the defense. And then on the offensive side, I have concerns about his three-point shooting because that's never been good. It's been only like mid-30s, so it's not terrible, but not necessarily great per se. But the mid-range game that he has, I think, just gives him a little bit of a different look in the sense that like it's just something defenses don't usually plan for. The problem, though, is if you're going to have Morris and say, hey, you can get to your mid-range game, you need to stagger the rotations in a different way because other players like Jimmy Butler, Bam, uh, and to a lesser degree like Hero also thrive in the mid-range game, so you want to make sure that space is freed up. So maybe you need to go more... Like, you could do a lineup with, say, like, Bam, Morris, and then try to put shooters out there, Robinson, Struess, Hero, something like that, so they would space out the floor and just let Bam and Morris operate uh, more so inside the arc. We'll see, though. We have 12 games less than the season for uh, Spo to tweak around with it a little bit. But and, but I'm confident in him. It, it's Eric Spolster. He's he's my coach of the year. So speaking of 12 games, the Heat might need to start looking around and seeing if there's maybe some opportunities. Since, they're, since they're, they've been able to keep some of their separation, they have a, currently a two-and-a-half two game lead on the second-place uh, Milwaukee Bucks. So maybe they can start to cash in some of that separation to try to get some players rest, uh, specifically Dwayne Dedman, Kyle Lowry, and Jimmy Butler. So all three of these players have been struggling a little bit in March. Uh, Dead. So like for example, Dwayne Dedman, no major change in his minutes, 
but his rebounding numbers, his field goal attempts, his field goal percentage, and his offensive rebounds and points have all been down in the month. So really what I think that might come back to is the near the end of uh, remember the All-Star break, he was out for a few games listed due to lower back issue. And I'm wondering if that's creeping up because as much as as like the Heat schedule was home heavy and not too bad, and there was the All-Star break, which is obviously rest for the players, like Miami came out the gate hard. They had five games in seven seven nights. That's that pretty much like saps all of the rest you get from the All-Star break because uh, you're doing that on top of what's already been a really rough season because of the in- of injuries and protocols and yada, yada, yada. But uh, to go back to to go back to this, like five games and seven nights, right around now is actually where we're getting this the great rest. Like we have three games and seven nights. So, you know, mo- like four nights off is fantastic for rest. Uh, that might be enough for Deadman. However, if it's not... I'd look at throwing in Omir Yurt 7 for a game or two, like in terms of being a backup, because it does it does seem like Dwayne Deadman will probably walk this summer. He's probably gonna get some good offers, and I don't think the Miami wanna Miami Heat wanna pay him that much. Uh, so if this ends up being it, might as well, you know, double dip. Like, let's get Deadman some rest for the playoffs, because that's when we're gonna need him the most. And let's see what Yurt 7 looks up as a backup for BAM. So that way we can determine, like, okay, if Deadman walks away, we're fine, or do we need to try to reinvest in a backup center? So that's Deadman. Uh, Kyle Lowry, specifically his shooting, has been a really big concern. He's down to five field goal attempts per game and shooting 24% from the field on those. So, the, yeah, the offense has been abysmal. Uh, not the play, uh, sorry, the scoring has been abysmal, not the offense, because his playmaking has still been great. His assists are actually up in terms of, like, against the year. But that all that means if you're a defense just means, okay, play off him and watch the passing lanes. Like, that, that's an easy adjustment to make come playoff time. He has to get his scoring going come playoff time. Uh, not that I have, like, any major doubts. I do remember back in December when it was a lot of Kyle Lowry, again, because of the, the injuries. Uh, the, super fun December. But... I remember him having to, like, it was very clear that he could almost, like, flip it. Like, okay, we need somebody to, to be the, the scorer tonight. All right, I can flip it on, and I can go for a little bit. Um, so that makes me wonder if maybe he's trying to reserve a little bit for the playoff, try to play make a little bit more, whatever. Um, the other part of it, though, could just be he might also need rest. Like, he's missed, I want to say, three to four weeks with the whatever the personal issue was. Like, he had an earlier stint where he missed, like, two, two and a half weeks, and then another one where he missed, like, week, week and a half. But, uh, again, we never got any details on him, but just that it kept popping up lends me to wonder if that's been sort of, like, a mental drain on him uh, and if that's starting to affect, like, the, the shooting part. Like, maybe it's just kind of like, I'm mentally drained, so I'm just going through the motion, setting up my teammates, or if there's also the physical toll, because, again, he was the one trying to prop up the offense in December, January, while Butler and Bam were out, which is a lot on, on Larry because he's 36 years old. Uh, however, like like with Dwayne Dedman, if that's the case, like, give him the rest. Like, we have Gabe Vincent that has shown he can step in for Kyle Lowry and be the starting point guard. Or if you really want to up Oladipo's minutes to see what he could do with, with, like, a heavier minute load, you could do that as well. 
though it seems like Spo would be more apt to put Vincent in to start instead of Depot. But just to, just to say that you have options <laughs> if Kyle Lowry needs that rest to make sure his mind and body are right for a playoff run. And then lastly was uh, Jimmy Butler, who's also been having a pretty down march. 16 points per game, but his field goal percentage has been an abysmal 38%. Like, it just doesn't quite seem like he has the, the lift. He's missed three games out of the month already, uh, and they're starting to become concerns about his ankle and toes and feet in general, which kind of makes sense from the standpoint of, like, Jimmy Butler's game is pretty much based around, I'm going to go to the rim. I don't care if there's three, four, five guys there. I'm going to the rim. And when you do that, your feet are going to land on other feet, and stuff's going to get twisted or hit or bruised, things along those lines. But, yeah, there there is also obviously the concerns as well um, about his, about the combination of his age and playing for Tom Thibodeau at the early parts of his career because, again, Thibodeau has been pretty infamous for running his players into the ground, and he had a young Jimmy Butler that was like, ooh, I can ride this dude. Like, I think... I want to say one of the years he he led the league in minutes per game while working under Thibs, or, or at least was on the lists, because, yeah. But the, the, to come back here, just to say if the, all those miles he put on in the early part of his career combined with his age, if, if those are coming back to bite him now. Hopefully not. Um, and, again, like before, if he needs the rest, now's the time to give it to him, especially once they get Caleb Martin back, because Martin can kind of fill in a little bit as that starting uh, swing man in place of Butler, if need be, or again, maybe you could try like more minutes towards Victor Oladipo, or maybe like Markeith Morris, try to try to get him going as well. So there's there's options. There's lots of options. Finally, we the Heat go twelve deep, fully healthy. So and like their schedule is not too difficult. So you can find games to rest Jimmy Butler. So yeah, might have sounded a little pessimistic there, but really overall, they, this is just trying to be nitpicky stuff in the middle of March, which are the dog days of the NBA. You're just sitting there waiting for the playoffs. So I'm just kind of sitting there like, okay, we got about a month left. Let's just let's try to find some stuff real quick. Overall, though, there's a lot to be happy about with this Heat team, nonetheless. Uh, currently, they are still the first seed in the East. So yeah, we'll go through the standings and then we'll have to call it a day. But Heat first in the East at 46 and 24. And then the teams that are ranked two through five are kind of grouped together now. These are teams that are two and a half to four and a half games back of the Heat, which would be the Bucks, Sixers, Bulls, Celtics. So the big thing of interest right there uh, Bulls and Celtics in the four to five matchup if everything started today. And assuming Miami wins their one eight matchup. They would play the winner of one of those two, which I think would would be a pretty good uh, semifinal matchup for the Heat. Um, after after that, though, in the six through seven seeds, they're pretty grouped together right now. These are teams that are six to seven games back of where the Heat are right now. So this is actually getting about to the edge of where the Heat could fall, um, realistically. The there, yeah, but anyway, six seven seed, the Cavs at six, Raptors at seven. So there is a possibility that the Raptors could overtake the Cavs at this point, and the Cavs would drop out into the playing tournament, and then who knows from there if they go up against like a Brooklyn Nets, and then they could lose to them, and then they would be the eighth seed against us, which if they don't have Jared Allen, that would be a pretty a pretty favorable 1-8 matchup for the Miami Heat. Or if not, um, ah, man, the Toronto Raptors just, I feel like the Heat would just be exhausted after that series. Uh, so I, w- I would prefer to take the Cavs the most, actually, at this point. Uh, to keep going, though, eight seed, 
right now, nine and a half games back. The Brooklyn Nets, who are surging right now, so there's the possibility that they could maybe grab seven or potentially maybe even grab six. Like it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's just it's just a small percentage. Uh, but the Nets seem like they're going to be stuck in the play-in. And then lastly, 9 and 10 seed. These are teams that are 11 to 11 and a half games back over the Heat are right now. The Hawks and the Hornets, which, I mean, I, sorry, the most ideal thing would be the Hawks and the Hornets, whichever one of those two that wins, knocking off whoever loses the 7-8 matchup so that the Heat would get to play either the Hawks or the Hornets. That would be the most ideal. I just don't see that as very likely. But, hey, we got we to gotta see how they fall. So, like I've mentioned a little bit already, looking ahead for the next week, this is, uh, if you include if you go from last night's Tuesday to next Monday, that's three games and seven nights. So, lots of rest. The Heat are off two days before a game on Friday, and then two days before a game on Monday. Of which, uh, this one game that we have on Friday is the end of our homestand, and then when we go on the road, we'll have one road game next Monday, and then we come back for another four-game homestand. So looking at the games more in depth, uh, on Friday, the Heat will host the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is a Thunder team that's 20-48, and 48, good for 14th in the West. Heat are already up 1-0 in a best-of-two series for whatever it means against the West team. So the Thunder will be at the Spurs tonight. So they won't have to... So yeah, they will have a night off Thursday before they, we play on Friday. However, the Heat will have been off an extra day. So they'll have a slight rest advantage, I guess I would say. But the big thing for this Thunder game, and just to say right now, like there's no excuse to lose to this Thunder team on Friday. Their top three players in both minutes per game, points, like however you want to slice it, uh, are pretty much out. So Lou Dortz, out for the season. Um, Giddy, I think it was Josh Giddy, is out for several weeks. The only one that, actually, sorry, the only one that might play on Friday is Shea Gildas Alexander, but that's one player that you can s- scheme and take them out. But definitely missing their second and third best player, like, yeah, capitalize on that. Uh, so the big thing I have for here, learn from Detroit. You walk, the Heat walked into De- with that into that game against Detroit, and we're essentially like, whatever, we're winning this game, we'll be fine. And they almost blew it. It was only 105 to 98. And yeah, that was way too close. So learn from that. Avoid the trap. Um, and just, yeah, there's no excuses. If, if SGA is listed out as well, this should be a super easy win. Even if SGA is playing, this should be an easy win. So take care of that. And then on to the next. So then, like I said, Miami will be on their one-run game. They'll be at the Philadelphia 76ers next Monday. This is the Sixers team that's currently 41-26, and 26, good for third in the East. Uh, currently, Miami is up 2-1 in a best-of-four series. So if they take this game, that puts them up 3-1. They win the season series, and they have that tiebreaker over the Sixers if it's needed. Uh, so, yeah, the, definitely something worthwhile because the Sixers team is only like two and a half, three games back over the Heat are right now. And one thing that is definitely in Miami's favor, the Sixers will be hosting the Raptors Sunday night. So they'll be on the second out of a back-to-back. It is at home for them, but second out of a back-to-back against a Raptors team that you know is going to drain every last drop of energy out of them because that's just how they fucking play while Miami will have had two days off after what should be just an absolute waxing of a Thunder team. So, yeah, all the rest of the advantage goes to Miami in this one. And though there is nobody currently on the Philadelphia's injury report, 
I would not be surprised if the second night of the back-to-back, they rest one or two of Joel Embiid and James Harden just because the second night of a back-to-back, rest maintenance, all that stuff. So all the things should be there for Miami to, to take that game in that season series. Like, really, so long as they have health and they get up for it, it should be good. But um, things to look ahead for with that. Try to keep Bam out of foul trouble because it's going to be Embiid again. Uh, use Lowry to push pace. Like, Brooklyn, one of the things that they kind of exposed in the beatdown that they gave the Sixers is that this team is not the best in transition, and you can kind of get out and run on them a little bit. So, like, if you have Caleb Martin back, for example, have Kyra Lowry do pitch aheads and get people going in transition and try to try to get some easy points that way. Uh, yeah, keep him out of foul trouble. That's going to be the big one. I mean, you can use Dwayne Dedman, Yurt Seven to soak up minutes, or Morris to soak up uh, minutes and fouls. Uh, but make sure that Bam can go all out in the fourth quarter because that's what's going to be needed. And, yeah, then the other thing is try to find an answer. Hopefully, Spo has an answer for the 2-3 to three zone. So the last time he played the Philadelphia 76ers, they went into a 2-3 zone, and it just completely flummoxed Miami just because Embiid as a rim protector and just getting the, the hang around the paint was it's so surprisingly effective. So hopefully by now the Heat have an answer for the 2-3 zone, uh, whether that's trying to go more mid-range. Again, now that you have Moore's back, or you can also go there with Hero as well. But try to find ways to exploit the gaps in it uh, and know that that's what the Philadelphia 76ers are going to throw at you when you see them next Monday. But still, I feel like this should be a solid win for Miami. Like Between the rest, probably not having a player or two there and just matchup, I feel like this should be a solid win uh, for the Heat, which would be great because that would put them 3-1 win streak and at that point would just almost like solidify them as the first seed. The, the sooner we get to solidifying our spot in the first seed, the sooner we can just rest everybody else and not give a fuck. But that'll be all for this week's episode. Please be sure to follow the pod on Twitter at Heaters Heating and myself at KBR Heat Nation. Also check out the other great pods we have, either through Twitter at OTG Basketball or OTGBasketball.com. I'll be back next week. So until then, I hope you all have a good one, Heat Nation.